Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne, and I am joined, as ever, by Private Waffles. Chris Woff, how are you doing, Private Waffles? Well, I've just found out my rank, because apparently we got told off last week, because you promised that by the end of the episode would have decided what rank I was, and then that never happened. So I'm a little bit disappointed to find out it's, it's private, but, you know. We've reset you, mate. Back to private, I'm afraid. Yeah. You've got to start from the bottom and work your way up. Yeah. I have now got a meowing cat as well. Can you hear that? I can hear that, yeah. There he is. He's outside, meowing. Your poor bollockless cat. What's the, what's your cat called? He's called Freddy. Freddy. Freddy with yes. his no bollocks. Yeah. No bollocks, Freddy. He's named after um, Mercury, not Shepherd. You'll be glad to know. Right, yes, yeah. okay, Freddy Mercury, right. Yeah, but he's, he's been in the house meowing constantly for, for like two weeks until I've been allowed to let him out. And now I've let him out and he stands outside meowing. Where are oh, my shit. bollocks? What have you done with my bollocks? Can I have my there bollocks is. back? Um, yes. Yeah, and also, as you've already guessed, we're joined by George Colkin as well. George, how are you? Well, I'm all right. I'm feeling slightly chastised because after my um, podcast performance last week, I was my manner of speaking has been picked up on. Apparently, I say issues. I say issues a lot. I use that word a lot, but I say issues instead of issues. So I've been. I've spent it's a lot of time issues. this week. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, um, it's not an impersonation of anyone. It sounds that like is, um, Stewie Griffin, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Do you, do you have issues, George? Is that what you have? <laughs> That's very good. Thank you. That's very good. <laughs> it's not, but it's, it might no, sound it good is, to you, but it really no, isn't. That, that is pretty good. So I've been practicing saying issues and tissues. I've got um, that's what I'm saying a lot. So I'm going to say issues and tissues. Issues and, and tissues. Yeah. <laughs> do it. You talk like that from now. I'm going to do the entire podcast like this. I think so, you should. Say <laughs> so we're going to talk about Newcastle United, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my uh, god. Right. Oh my god. So we have got all manner of things to talk about. I'm gonna break just slightly. I'm gonna take a quick stop and I'm gonna shut this fucking cat up. I've got a hammer um and a shovel. No. Give me give me two seconds. How are we all doing anyway? How's how's lockdown treating us? Have we been have we been okay, George? Are you uh, are you well? Yeah, we're well, not bad. Yes, not bad. Chris and I have been very nost- feeling in a very nostalgic mood in the last few days because um, we did uh, should have, of course, been FA Cup final weekend over the weekend. And, I know. Uh, yeah, and Chris and I a competition which Newcastle are still in at the end of Incredible May. Incredible stuff! Amazing, and um, we we wrote about. Uh, the the Rude Hullet final in 1999 and the kind of season leading up to that and indeed what happened afterwards. So we've been feeling quite nostalgic, which has been quite nice, hasn't it, Chris? It has been. Yeah, it was a it was both a disappointing piece and that as we say at the very start, Newcastle did as Newcastle do and lost. <laughs> well, that'll final. get that'll get people reading in droves, <laughs> won't it? It was a disappointing but, wow. piece. <laughs> but yes, the, the, Chris, I was going the, to say that piece was very disappointing, actually. <laughs> But then, but then your bits, especially Chris, were terrible. (laughs) Well, they usually are. They usually. No, no. But but basically, that was the the. the, There's two things that's going on at the minute on the athletic. It's it's oral history week, so there's a lot of stories which are basically told by people who were involved. And so this was we spoke to Hullet, we spoke to Rob Lee, um, we spoke to Warren Barton, we spoke to Norberto Solano, and we also spoke to Steve Harper. Uh, mm-hmm. to get different bits for this piece. But it was also uh, the Athletic have been doing rebooted since the season. Uh, this season was curtailed, essentially been looking back at the 98-99 season. Obviously, Newcastle's big moment in that was the FA Cup final. But as usual, yeah. they'd lost. So in some ways, that was almost 
that it's almost just a way into the rest of the story because Hullet's time at Newcastle really that was that was yeah he got them to the FA Cup final but really the story was elsewhere the story was 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 one of civil war to it to a large degree which is how we termed it and so it was fascinating hearing from Hullet and from uh, the, some of those senior players involved and what the atmosphere was really like throughout the turbulent 12 months I think it's fair to say very st- very strange time for Newcastle, that wasn't it? Because they're still kind of riding high on the crest of a wave from the the mid to kind of late nineties, where things were going well, and obviously the Daglish era hadn't panned out the way everyone thought it was going to be. And Rude Hullet came in promising sexy football and all of this, and and everyone was rather excited by the whole thing. And he was a young manager. I think people forget he was only thirty five. He was only yeah. thirty five when he when he took over at Newcastle, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. And he and he was still playing and stuff for Chelsea the season beforehand, and then he came in with us. And uh, I think a lot of people forget that. You know, he was a very well respected person in the game. Oh, he he was he was the first overseas manager to win the FA Cup. He'd you know done that in his first season at Chelsea, and when he got sacked at Chelsea, they were still second uh, yeah. in the Premier League, and they were they were still in to. Cup competitions, which they went on to win, and it was a yeah. massive shock when he got sacked there. And when he arrived at Newcastle, he was yeah seen as this massive. It was a big, big. Felt like a big deal. Felt like a big deal. Yeah, at the absolutely. Time. And um, you know, and of course, as a oh iconic God, player from a, when I was a kid as, as well. As a footballer, yeah, he had absolutely everything, and it it yeah. felt like a big deal coming to Newcastle. And it was, you know, that that was very much the era of the club where you were going from manager to manager to manager, and the idea yeah. was, okay, well, this is the fellow that will win us something. Okay, well, this is the fellow that will win us something. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and obviously, it it didn't happen. Um, but uh, no, it was a ma- it was a massive deal, and there was a clash. There was just this huge clash. Um, from the start, and we tell that story of him kind of walking up into the restaurant at Chesley Street where they trained then, yeah. and um, him him walking into this, you know, the, this squad of players that included Shearer and Rob Lee and Gary Speed and, you know, even more senior people like kind of Stuart Pearce and John Barnes John and Barnes, stuff like that, yeah. and saying, hello, my lovely little boys, and then more looking at each other thinking, hmm, okay. Imagine. Um... um <laughs> And he had, you know, he had these very strong opinions about the way, about the way the team should have played. Now, I was, I was, I just started on the Times that summer, so I kind of got the last kind of couple of games as, uh, yeah. as uh, when when Kenny, when Kenny left, and then Rude came in, and I kind of remember, you know, very vividly the day that he was appointed. I'd gone back through, I'd gone back through sort of clippings which I kept. You know, at the time you had to kind of keep. Newspaper clippings. There was, you know, the mm. internet wasn't sort of in the. And when Shearer had joined Newcastle, he was quoted. Hullet was quoted when he was at Chelsea talking about him being the most overrated player ever, or it was the most expensive. And there was this thing at the start. So Hullet came in with that opinion, and he wanted to change the way they played. And you know, he he subsequently talked about you know long balls and getting but you know but he was he was very sort of dismissive of Shearer and that clash was just there from the you know was there from the start and he didn't you know the, 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 there's a kind of very funny quote in Kieran Dyer's autobiography in which uh, so this is about the following summer when Dyer arrived and he basically said oh yeah he said to Dyer I don't I don't really buy English players because you all drink too much beer but I've done my research on I've done my homework on you and I know you're different and as Kieran said he, he obviously yeah. hadn't done his he obviously hadn't done his homework <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but there was this you know Steve Harper uses the phrase there was this seismic 
power struggle going on at the club. And mm. it, it, the, I think the kind of fascinating thing for, for Chris and I doing it is that, you know, you look at, you know, there were so many sliding door moments uh, in life and all that, but the club could have gone in very, very different directions. Mm. Yeah, I think as Geordies as well, we don't mind a little bit of arrogance, which is obviously what Rude Hollett had. He had a lot of belief in himself, didn't he? And we don't mind a bit of that as long as you back it up with with deeds and you know with with things. You can you can be as arrogant as you like as long as you perform. And I think that was part of what tripped Rude Hollett up is that he had such a highly inflated opinion of himself that it, I don't think he was able to match it with with what he could do on the pitch at the time Chris what well, do you think that that word came up over and over again to describe yeah. him people would say over and over again about him being arrogant I mean it's interesting because in the in the comments certainly uh, at the bottom of the article and also from people on social media when you speak to when people have subsequently like fans have spoken to Rudhull they will say how lovely a bloke he was and how complimentary he was in Newcastle and when yeah. George spoke to him he was exactly the same he said he loved his time in Newcastle it's a club where everything's there but obviously for whatever reason in that moment he as you see just he just stopped playing essentially he'd, he'd won at Chelsea in his first managerial job and clearly he thought it was it he it was his way and that people should follow his way and that was a an immediate clash with those senior players and seemingly just didn't mm. have the man management skills I mean Rob Lee in particular speaks about how he just didn't have man management skills. He, he, he keeps Rob Lee said that he would always, whenever they spoke, uh, he would always Rude Hullet would just always talk about Chelsea. And Rob Lee had this idea that he he, he thought he was still Chelsea manager, or whatever, because he'd always say about how we'd always come <laughs> up and beat Newcastle at St James's Park. Yeah. Um, and Nobby Solano actually says, "Look, as a, as a coach now, I look back and I think that this was a guy who just stopped playing. He was still in that transition, and he obviously just hadn't made that adjustment yet to be able to to speak to those players. And when you have those senior players, those that." group of players who make the point that they were very close to, to Kenny Dalglish as well. They had a good relationship with him and they went from one extreme to another. I just think that that, yeah. that, that it was just such it was such a big culture clash. So interesting as well in the comments that people have said um, they've always been fascinated. Imagine if Hullard had actually taken over after Keegan, would it have been as much of a of a transition? And possibly not, certainly in terms of the the, the football and style, the way that Hullard wanted to play um, with with he was he was very keen on, on a possession based game on on Newcastle dominating the ball. Maybe if he'd come in post Keegan, maybe things would have been slightly different. Although you would still obviously have had those man management issues, and it's a big what if that you always have in the history of Newcastle. Just wondering whether it would have been different in that situation. In the league, they were they were really they were really sort of average, um, but they did get to Wembley, and it's funnily even now he says you know he says you know does he regret anything? No. And, you know, I was the last manager to get them into a position to win something, which is sort of hilarious. I mean, it kind of glosses over the fact that, uh, you know, Bobby Bobby took over and lifted the team up from the bottom of the table and got them into the Champions League and, uh, and got them, you know, got them pretty close uh, the following season in the Cup as well. But, yeah. um, you know, he he just has that, his his very strong belief remains that if he'd been able to sort of remodel the squad in the way he wanted and got rid of those senior players um things would have been different but he didn't have the power to do it the int- you know again rob lee says very clearly if they'd won the fa cup the w- when they were playing the fa cup they were in the final at wembley and he was thinking to himself i desperately want to win the fa cup for newcastle i desperately don't want to win it for him and yeah. so to have you know to have those feelings as a player must be really horrible and understandable but you know and if they'd won if they'd won that day chances are you know he he would have become the man that uh sort of 
you know, not breaks the curse, although Rude Hullet did think that Newcastle was cursed, hence him um, sprinkling salt in the dressing room before kickoff and all that. <laughs> Um, it was seasoning. It was just seasoning, George. It, it was just, just seasoning. It was, just, it was just, just condiments. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, uh, you know that he would have stayed as manager, and chances yeah, are would have a statue, would have a statue of him. And then, of course, really, I mean, I was at Wembley that day, and you know, it was that horrible sink. I hated the old Wembley. It, you know, it was just mm. every, every time Newcastle went there, it felt like we stunk the place out, and um, sort of didn't turn up, and the, it was a proper sort of letdown. But really, the the thing that we were building to was the Sunderland game at the start of the following season when he'd he'd had a summer of bringing in players, wanted to change the style of team, you know, play out from the back. He would, you know, was complaining about sort of English centre halves just lumping the ball out or lumping the ball forward, and wanted to do it differently. And it was building, it was building to that Sunderland moment, and. Everybody again thinks that if if he'd won that game, he would have stayed. And Shearer says, you know, Shearer says quite categorically that if Newcastle had won that night, he would have he would have ended up leaving. And um, you know, there wouldn't be a statue of Shearer outside the stadium. There wouldn't he wouldn't oh, have broken not. the record. And um, you know, sort of fascinating that. And I, I do remember that night as well. I mean, I remember it. It's it's the most yeah. ridiculous ridiculous game that I've ever reported on. And I remember. You know, journalists having to kind of pelt inside because people's laptops were people's laptops were kind of fusing in the rain. It was coming battering in so hard. And I remember there was one journalist who I won't name, but had got so soaking was just walking around the press room while the game was still being played. His laptop had gone, and he was just walking around in his pants because his clothes were so so <laughs> sort of drenched. Was and it you, George? It, it wasn't me, and his. Were um, you sure his, it wasn't you? It was me. Yes, it was me. Um, and 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 um, you know that that sense of the club properly being on a knife edge. That if Newcastle had won that that night, Hullet stays. Shearer goes. If they lost, which they did, Hullet Hullet goes. And um, you know, I I can't remember. I can't remember a scenario like that before or since. And not just Shearer as well, though. You have to remember there was Rob Lee was there. Yeah. Probably would have would have left straight away. And Duncan Ferguson as well. I mean, you imagine the the size of the bollocks Rude Hullet must have to go, to drop yeah. Duncan Ferguson He'd <laughs> and Alan Shearer well. and Rob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just absolute madness. I spoke to Rob Lee about this a few years ago when we were. I was interviewing him for another podcast, and he said that. Him and him and Alan met each other in the training ground, and they said, "Right, we're going to go and have it out with Rude Hullet." This is like the day after, and they got there, and Duncan Ferguson was already there, and the door was off its hinges. <laughs> you can just imagine that that's exactly yeah. what happened, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. wow, you don't you don't piss Duncan Ferguson off, do you? You know what I mean? The difference in in the direction the club would have went in would have been seismic, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I mean, probably the best thing about Rude Hullet was the way he left the club. Um, you know, mm, he yeah. actually. I mean, he did, to his credit, decide that okay, fine, I can't do this. Uh, we may, we may all, or we may mostly disagree with those reasons. But he then did leave without compensation. And um, again, I remember that yeah. press conference very vividly when he kind of he went through this very long kind of speech thanking um, the restaurants and waitresses in West restaurants in Newcastle and all this kind of stuff, doing all this bizarre speech, but then didn't take money for it. And that's still, that remains incredibly unusual for, for managers, you know, not to take, yeah, not to take a payoff or not to wait for a payoff. Thankfully, then, uh, you know, he went and then, as we say, Bobby came in and set about, uh, set about 
changing it. And of course, the first thing he does is mm. is welcome that group of players back into the fold. Oh, excuse me. Bless tish, a tissue. Do you that, need a, Do you need a tissue? I need a tissue, George. Um, and um, yeah, so and and those players that Hullet had had bombed out or tried to bomb out, and there was that theory that he couldn't directly do it with Shearer, and so he did it with the people. Yeah. He did it with Shearer's lieutenants, you know. He did it with the kind of close friends of Shearer. But he, yeah. he then welcomed Bobby. Then welcomed those players back into the fold. Called people like Rob and Alan. Come and in Gary's number thirty-seven. Come in number thirty-seven. Yeah, called them that, his blue. Book. Called them his blue chip players, and yeah. and set about rebuilding the you know set about rebuilding the club. But how do we feel about Rude Hullet as he refers to it as a fetish, from a, which was for white socks for the cup final? How do we feel about that? Oh, that knocks me sick. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not <laughs> not understated at all. But it absolutely knocks me sick when I see Newcastle playing in white socks or white shorts. It makes me feel. Actually, physically nauseous. I hate it. Well, I, th- I thought this was a larger universe as well, but there was more positivity for it than I expected. There was a few people saying they like it. Um, I find it. Idiot. I always find it a bit jarring whenever I see it. Whenever they run out and they've got white socks on, I always find it a bit jarring. But um, it doesn't look right, does yeah. it? It's a massive no from me. He had actually he had actually write to Adidas. You know, Adidas were his personal sponsor, and he'd done it at PSV as well and changed their kit. And he actually had to get it specifically changed for the final. He had to request that they could change it. I mean, that home kit at the time is probably my is probably my second favorite Newcastle home shirt as well because it still has the mm. brown ale badge. It's still lovely black and white stripes, but it's got that nice little collar with the blue stripe on the side. I just think it looks really classic. Um, it's a it's a great kit. Put it with white shorts. No, you might as well. You, no, you might as well do it. I loved it. I, I loved it. His, his kind of reasoning for it. He says, at PSV, we won two titles in a row with white socks. At Milan, white socks instead of black, winning everything. At Sampdoria, white socks, and we won the cup. Then I went to Chelsea with white socks, and we were winning as well. You can't ignore that. It's not so much that I'm superstitious. White socks just make you look powerful, they help you. Maybe I'm going to wear white socks. I Maybe might start you wearing wear white just, socks. Just white socks from now on, George, and nothing else. I, rem- I remember. Imagine at school, how powerful you look. If 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 we turned up to school wearing white socks when I was a kid, we would all be called a virgin. You'd be called virgin right? if you turned up. Yeah, I mean, which was actually wow. true as well. But um, so that's fair enough. But virgin was one of the biggest insults you could have. White socks. So I didn't wear white socks at school. I wore oh. luminous green socks and pink. Wow. But the thing was, Man United wore black socks and won as well, so it's like... Well, it's yeah. just a load of nonsense. It's a load <laughs> well, of bullshit. Well, it's bullshit, isn't it, Chris? That's the, let, <laughs> let's not pretend that there's anything in this. The reason that AC Milan won all them trophies was not because they wore white socks. It was because they had a bloody good team. Same with Man United, same with Sampdoria, same with Chelsea at the time. Nothing to do with the socks. I think you're looking Absolutely at this very nothing. simplistically, Taylor. <laughs> but I, oh, I'm I, 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 I I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly... I mean, as you know, I'm incredibly grumpy and incredibly... Traditional tradition. I'm a traditionalist. It's like I remember, I remember one day pre-season training when Pardew was manager and he was wearing what was he wearing? He was like wearing gold boots or silver boots, and or was it even just white boots? And I called. It was. I can't even remember where where it was. They were doing pre-season. It might have been at one of those open days at St James's Park, and and I shouted him over or you know spoke to him and said. You know, this is that is absolutely disgraceful, and the game has gone. And he sort of said, "If you can't, if you if you can't beat them, join them," which was pretty much pretty typical of Alan Pardew, to be honest. But but the the kind of man who would wear silver boots. But 
particularly if you're a man- I mean, all football boots should be black, but if you're a manager, then your football yeah. boots should definitely be black. And if you're a manager, you shouldn't shots. be wearing football boots. You should be wearing a nice pair of brogues. Well, if you're on the training pitch, I think that's okay. No, I don't think you should. Still, still brogues. Still, still brogues. brogues. Full tracksuit. Okay. Full tracksuit and pair of brogues. Okay. Fair enough. No, all right. Fair enough. Absolutely. Is there any update at the moment on Project Restart and how things are looking at Newcastle United at the moment? Steve Bruce came out in the press this week and had a little bit of chat, didn't he? And uh, also there's been a lot of noise around Danny Rose as well and his kind of refusal to partake in training, or is he injured or is he not? Uh, Chris, what's what's the latest with, with regards to all that at Newcastle? Well, Newcastle did return to training last week. Um, they have an app which has been... Uh, Dr. Paul Catterson has been involved in setting up. So basically the players, when they turn up to the training ground, have an app which goes either green, amber or red, depending on how they've filled it in that morning in terms of their potential COVID symptoms to make sure that the training ground essentially is um, as COVID-free as possible. Obviously they're they're cleaning Mm. everything. There's a lot of steriliser being used in various different parts of the ground. All the balls are being sorted, all the bibs, anything that they use. And so they're trained at the minute in small groups. So whether they can move to full contact, which is called phase two, is something we'll potentially find out about later on this week. I mean, yeah, Rose apparently has, a, I think it's a calf injury, so that yeah. allegedly it's not connected with, with his comments last week. But I suppose the, the interesting thing with, with this project restart is uh, there was a piece, Matt Slater did something on Saturday for us, is that obviously it's all been about the Premier League so far, but the FA Cup, mm. as we've said, could and should yes. have been, the final should have been on Saturday. So Newcastle United are still in the FA Cup. We can say they are unbeaten in the FA Cup still. We're going to win this thing. We are going to win this thing. George, do we still feel like we felt leaving West Brom that night? Do we still feel that way? Riding on Um, a wave of optimism and cheap lager? Well, riding on a wave of inflatable cocks is is uh, is what we were doing that (laughs) night. So no, I don't feel like that. Um, I don't feel like that. Not on a well, not on a Tuesday, not on a Tuesday uh, lunchtime. Um, no, I know those inflatable penises, peni, peni, uh, burns into the retina. Um, no, it God, it feels like such a long time ago. What a brilliant night that was, and uh, Great, how it? much fun! How much fun did we have doing that? Doing that podcast, it was just, it was brilliant. Um, I know it just, it's one of those things that's been kind of completely lost in the in the wash. It feels like, and I suppose there was also that kind of almost inevitable feeling. When they drew Man City, that oh, yeah, okay. that, that was it. You know, it was it was bound to happen at some point. But even then, you know, I still think that you know that feeling of having a full stadium and you know anything could happen and there's nothing to lose. But you know that 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 sort of beguiling thought of having a full stadium and those one-off occasions, and we've seen, you know, we've seen. Uh, we've seen in the in the recent past that Newcastle can do that. They can beat the big teams, you know, in one yeah. game. Anyway, and so there was that sort of sense of possibility. And now, of course, a everything stops. Everything will be behind closed doors. And I know from like chatting to to, to Steve Bruce, just sort of just having a chat with him the other week, that you know, having got having got the club to this point, and having got the team to this point, and having targeted the cup. Um, you know, wanted to wanting to sort of do it justice, and then you know, actually doing that, albeit it's been incredibly hard work to to <laughs> yeah. get to this point. Um, you know that that feeling of then Newcastle's fans won't be there and won't be able to turn it into a you know one of those like force of nature occasions that uh, that we all think about when we think about uh, the club at its best. Um, it's kind of very disheartening and very disappointing, but. Yeah, the interesting thing is that 
the FA Cup remains incredibly important to the FA and to the pyramid, and that there does seem to be a uh, a will to get it finished, and so and so it will be. I mean, I think that's I think that's clear. As long as they get the whole thing off the ground, then then the FA Cup will be part of it. It'll look very different and it'll feel very different, but at some point, you know, we'll be you know if all goes to plan we'll be thinking about newcastle you know still being in the still being in the cup which is extraordinary and you know i know that all of our attention is focused on stuff that's happening sort of off the pitch at the moment and or not happening in terms of it dragging on and dragging on and dragging on but newcastle is still in a competition and although there's been you know a lot of stories written about you know, people playing fantasy football with the club about signings mm. and so on yeah. and so forth. And of course, the ma- you know the managerial, the managerial thing has been part of it. But the manager who is there now still has a chance to end this season with a trophy. I know that's not something you know it's not something that I've thought about for about twenty years. I told myself I would I would die before Newcastle <laughs> win a trophy. But um, but you know it's it it does hold out that kind of quite interesting little subplot that the fellow that is there now still has a chance to win a trophy. It's an utterly bizarre situation that we're in at the minute, isn't it? I didn't, I, I mean, obviously when, when everything ground to a halt, I think, I kind of completely forgot about the FA Cup in a lot of ways because I think we drew Man City and then it was like, all oh, right, well, you know. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was nice. yeah. It was nice while it lasted. But to I be think, fair, Mike Ashley did for 12 and a half years. So. <laughs> That's a very good point, Chris, yeah. Very good point. But I think I haven't, I haven't really heard any of the any chat about the logistics, about how it's going to work. I haven't heard it mentioned really by anyone in the press or on Sky or anything like that about how the FA Cup's going to go forward and, and if that game would be played behind closed doors. So I think we're kind of just going to have to wait and see what the FA decide with that, aren't we? Yeah, and I mean, as you mentioned, that, that there's that quarterfinal. It's going to be a huge occasion at St James's yeah. Park. It would have d- undoubtedly been sold out. Newcastle lose that potential advantage they would have from the crowd, the advantage that you would need the home crowd to be able to, to to try and knock Manchester City out, that wonderful Manchester City team whose record in domestic competitions is, is phenomenal. Um and so you, you you essentially lose that even if it even if it probably will still be played at St James Park it does happen. You get to this if you did get to the semi final, it would be the first time Newcastle have ever got to the new Wembley on merit. They've played there obviously when Spurs were home. But then Newcastle yeah. fans won't be able to attend almost certainly. Oh, yeah. And then if you were to be able to get through that then you'd you'd be in a fi- final again at Wembley and just as George says, imagine for the the first time Newcastle could win a trophy since 1969, the first manager to, to potentially deliver a trophy since 1969. I know we're getting massively ahead of ourselves, but it, yeah. it is still possible. They're still in it. You, you are allowed to dream as much as Mike Ashley has prevented, seemingly prevented fans from doing that for the last certain years. Imagine if, if all those things were to happen and... Nobody is nobody is there to actually witness it in public. There isn't there aren't the scenes that there were in ninety eight and ninety nine when you had all the fans on Wembley Way, all the Newcastle fans taking over that part of, of London. And it's it, it's it sort of would be brilliant in one sense because Newcastle would would have finally won a trophy that they've got there. But then it it does does it lose something from that? I don't I don't know. It will be a very 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 oh, strange. Of it, well, thing. I've, yeah. I mean, we we are getting miles ahead, but I mean, of course it does. I mean, I've I've but I was at both of those finals, um, those consecutive finals. The first one I was there. I'm sure it was the first one I was there as a fan, and the second one, if I joined the Times, I must have been there. I must have been there as a as a journalist. Although I can't remember. Maybe I was there as a fan for both. But anyway, the point is that it's that sort of 
profoundly moving experience of just seeing your team there and seeing them come out and just that rush and that feeling, oh my God, this could be our day. And you've got the weekend leading up to it and everyone's pissed or hungover and you get together. And I, I'm sorry to bring this up, but I, 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 was, I was around Sunderland when they got to the League Cup final as well. And suddenly it's like mm. all those years of putting up with the shit football and all that, you know, all those all the money you spend and all the sacrifice you make to follow your team and suddenly you're there and you've got this occasion where you can sort of almost stand back as a fan base and remember why you do it and all that. It's really important. You know, those moments are really important. And I suppose always you try to think what would be the most Newcastle-y thing to, ha- to happen. <laughs> and it, is, it, is it that they would win it and no one's there to watch it? Or is it that they'd just be really shit shit as usual and don't you know just just lose yeah. to the city 5-0 five, five and but there are there are so many sort of unknowns i mean watching a you know watching these bits of the sort of bundesliga games at the minute i find it very difficult to to watch it i have to say without fans as we've as we've talked about but some of those games are also incredibly uncompetitive and i don't know whether that's a reflection of the league or if it's a reflection of how fit some of these teams are at the moment and not or how committed and again we don't know how we don't know how the premier league I mean I wouldn't be surprised to see some some really kind of weird and big score lines because I just think for some teams their heart won't be in it or um you yeah, know you and, kinda, and so you, you can't predict you kind of get that anyway don't you at the end of the season where you'll have teams who are who are to repeat the cliche already on the beach uh, and you'll have teams in the mid table with nothing to play for playing against teams who are going for uh, you know, championships or trying to avoid relegation or trying to qualify for Europe, and that and now I think that's going to be even even more heightened. I think the fact you've got teams who've come back from this break and they're coming back to not play for anything, I think you're going to see teams who 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 kind of not necessarily roll over, but they they will not they'll not be putting in a hundred percent the way they would be if they were fighting for something. I think you're right. I think we could see some very bizarre score lines. You never know how it's going to affect teams. You never know how it would affect Man City coming to an empty St James's Park and playing an FA Cup quarter final. Can we be asked with this? Is this, you know, are we gonna do the are we gonna give it our all for this game or are we gonna just kind of concentrate on getting the league finished? You don't know what's going to happen. It could be so you so basically Basically, you're saying that Newcastle are going to roger Man City 5-0. Absolutely, roger them all over, yeah. Mm. And also, Chris, I want to bring up with you, if you think that Newcastle will get to a cup final and there'll be nobody there, there will be some... Somebody will make it in. There'll be some lad from Walker called Colin <laughs> who's got a set of keys of his mate who's who copied them in a bar of soap from the Wembley uh, security room. He's in there on his own at the back with his top off jumping around. There will be somebody there to see it. You can guarantee it. Who do you go? Who do you go up the steps to get the cup from? I mean, does, do you just go and pick it up yourself? I mean, what, 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 what? what? You've got to wipe, wipe it down with with wipes first. Then you wash your hands with your uh, your anti back. Then you pick Prince, the cup up. Then you put it down. Nah. And everyone before they pick it up has to wash their hands again. Prince William just hoys it down from the from the upper tier, and Jamal Sells has to catch it. Whilst yeah, they launch launch it over the arch in a ca- out of a cannon, basically yeah. onto the pitch. Actually, just as we me- just as we mentioned the presentation of the cup, this reminds me of something which which, which annoyed me the other day. And I, you know, I don't get excited about anything, be it in a positive or negative sense. I very rarely get riled, but 
I was I was watching a, a, a clip of the when we were doing the piece on the 98-99 final, and I don't know who the commentary was of, but when Manchester United went to go and lift the trophy, they were referred to as United, and this is something which really, really, <gasps> really, really, really winds oh, me up. Off. It really, 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 really annoys me. It's like it, when they're playing Newcastle United, it's like well, you can't you can't refer to them as just United, and it really, really, really does annoy me. Yeah. Yes, it does. I mean yes. the yeah no it does well so I've I've had I've had first hand experience of this for a long time because so a lot of newspapers I mean the athletic has this as well we have a style guide and so there is a way that you're you know you, you know about particularly use of language for example for example you're not allowed to say tissues and sort of tissues that's not the right that's not the right example because that's speech but so According to the Times, which is like the oldest newspaper in the world or whatever, they didn't do nicknames. You couldn't see, so you could never refer to Newcastle as the Magpies or anything like that. But the only shortening that was allowed, or the only team that you're allowed to know but know as United, were Manchester United. So you would have exactly as Chris says, you would have that laughable situation where if yeah. Newcastle, if Newcastle were playing Manchester United at St James's Park, you could refer to one team as United, and it was. It was Manchester, and I railed against it. I hated it. And the other time when things like that became really difficult was when St James's Park name name was changed, um, mm. and because and this caused big sort of internal arguments because we all, as people who love sport and love football, there was a recognition that you know this was absolutely sort of ludicrous and nonsensical and divisive and things like that but the times style guide was that all stadia have to be referred to by their sponsored name so king power stadium uh, etihad stadium all that that's how you have to refer to them so if i ever referred to st james's park in an article during that spell it would have been changed to the phrase that i won't use so um, I had to. I had to. Ref- I ha- so I was very proud of myself because over the course of however long that was, that entire season, not once did that horrible, hated phrase get put in the paper. Um, but I had stuff. to refer to. I had, I had to refer to it as Gallagate or Barrett Road, or you know, <laughs> yeah. I, had, I, had, I had to find different Anyone. ways of referring to it. Yeah, but I hate <laughs> things like that. I did say to somebody this week, let's if if they do have to rename the stadium, let's just go out and call it the Shola Dome. And have done with it. <laughs> Shoulder Dome. The Shoulder Dome. Yeah, Shoulder Dome. Dome's, Dome's pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Three brothers enter, only one leaves. The Shoulder Dome. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> do we have do we have uh, any 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 other any other business to discuss? Um, Steve Bruce made some comments this week with regards to the takeover, which is possibly only the second time a, an official Newcastle United uh, uh, member of staff has has addressed the whole thing, haven't they? I mean, Shola Amiobi mentioned it. Uh, in an interview a little while ago, and now Steve's came out and said that he would very much like to be part of uh, any project going forward involving a takeover. Um, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks for that sort of stuff, hasn't it? I was kind of quite surprised that he uh, that he spoke about it, but I think that mm. you know it certainly reflects what he thinks. And um, and I mean, I'm I'm sort of interested, yeah. And the fact that it was sort of a breath of fresh air that somebody at Newcastle acknowledged that something may or may not be you know something may or may not be happening and so it was kind of pleasing in that in that sense albeit he he also said that he wasn't really you know it's not like he'd been having tons of conversations about it but um and that he was 
picking up most of his information from what he read and heard. But, um, you know, and to, to reiterate that the same point that we've made before, that when, uh, you know, when, when it happens, that there won't be any, there is no new manager lined up in the wings. Um, you know, there are no new players lined up in the wings. That's not the way it's working. There are still games to be played this season. And, you know, very much the plan is that Steve would 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 carry on. I mean, he's the he's the man in possession of the shirt. And, um, you know, long term, would he be seen as the man to lead Newcastle into a new era? I mean, I think that's a very, I think that's a very different question. But the idea that the idea that, you know, that we've seen stories about Pochettino being lined up or Rafa uh, coming back over the weekend, that that there's something there ready to happen is just not is just not the case. Now that doesn't mean that somebody like that won't be looked at or won't be appointed eventually. But you know we're a long way from that now. We Rafa had a column uh, on the Athletic uh, just this week about the the anniversary of Istanbul and the Champions League with with Liverpool. So and I helped him write that, and so I spoke to him at length. And you know we always gossip about Newcastle and chat about Newcastle, and that's understandable because obviously he cares about it a great deal, and he's still in touch with people there. But I mean there are a few things to say here. That firstly he has huge respect for the job that. Uh, Steve has done and is doing and um, he also is under contract and his contract is heavily weighted in terms of penalties for for you know for for getting him out that would cost you know theoretically if a club comes in for him um, it would cost them a lot of money to get him out of that contract and he he hasn't broken contracts I think I'm, he takes pride in not breaking contracts and you know there was huge Sort of, uh, there was huge sort of confusion and complexity about what's happening in China, just as there is, just just as we have complexity with our league, and we don't know we don't know what's happening or when. It's been the same for China for a long time. They should have started their league in I can't remember March, I think it was. I went to see them, didn't March, I, in yeah. Spain? Yeah, and and so they haven't started. Now they're at the point where yeah. that's that's becoming close, but it hasn't restarted. And so this sort of idea that he's he you know oh yeah okay we'll get Rafa back and all that it's incredibly complicated. He was a huge part of Amanda Staveley's uh, first attempt to buy the club. He was named in all of her bids that he was staying on as manager. And you know if you're looking for someone who would be helping to rebuild a club, then you know he would be he would be a really good candidate for it. But this sort of suggestion that that he's just there waiting in the wings and can come back and is already identifying players and things like that it's just not it's just not how it is it's a very weird situation isn't it where we're being linked to all these all these managers and all these players but we still have uh, a, a, a you know, a third of a season left to play, a third, a quarter even, maybe, of a season left to play. Uh, and Steve Bruce obviously has to get that fence finished as well. I wonder, is there any update on that, George? Did he did he ever get the fence finished? I do not have an update on his ugly fence, no, but I hope it's um, I hope it's a George. bit more... Sorry, I know, yeah, right, let, letting the side down. He's had to leave that to focus on getting the players back fit again. So, unfortunately, the the, the fence has had to take, be secondary to Newcastle United players trying to get fit. He needs again, to get his is, priorities sorted, doesn't he? I know. That fence should have been done by now. So there we are. That is everything uh, that we wanted to speak about this week. The uh, As far as the takeover is concerned, the new uh, potential owners are still waiting here from the Premier League uh, with regards to the owners and directors tests. So nothing has changed 
uh, with regards to that. And we're still just sitting and waiting and hoping that we can open cans soon. Um, I've had to go and buy new cans because the cans that I had in originally, they have unfortunately all been drunk. Uh, uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah, it's been a difficult couple of weeks, and honestly, the the cans went. Then I went and got bottles, and then the bottles went, and we're back to uh, now not having cans to drink. So we're gonna have to go back out and get some more cans again. Um, I don't know if that's under the government guidelines. Maybe I can drive to Barnard Castle for cans. Uh, I haven't checked. I'll have to check the website, possibly. Only if your eyes are dodgy. Well, they will be after I've had the cans. So <laughs> I don't know if there's a link we can uh, we can get in there. Maybe that's some kind of loophole I can use. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Thanks very much for listening. Um, I hope you're all I hope you're all well out there and I hope you're still staying safe, looking after each other in lockdown and all that sort of stuff. With a bit of luck, we might have some more good news soon. And uh, we shall speak to you lot in the near future. Chris, thanks very much. Have you had any tasty meat products this week? Uh, I did have sausages last night, actually. And the night sausages. before. Left, sausages. Left sausages last night. So they, were, they were delicious. Uh, what as, kind as of sausages usual. were they? They were pork sausages. They were pork sausages. Mm, pork sausages, was it? Mm. Yeah, pork sausages. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's disgusting. <laughs> right, uh, you need, and George's... What? I want you to... Can, can you do a... Can, like, for next week, can you write a song on your guitar, which also has Freddie doing backing <laughs> vocals whilst you impersonate Stewie? I think that's what I want. I think we're all building to this moment. I'm not want. sure if if the uh, the agreement that I have with the Athletic to host these, pos- these podcasts stretches to that kind of nonsense. Um, or, I'll check. All right, I'll check with or, my lawyers. Or can 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 Chris have a theme tune and can I have a theme tune? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll come up with the George and Chris theme tune, a separate one, because obviously Chris's is going to be very uh, basic, sort very of mundane, and George's will be kind of. I'm not sure how, how George's would sound. George's would Miserable. have to be very. Very Angry, doom and gloom. Yeah, like a Radiohead B-side. Something I like that. that. I like that. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much, lads. Have a lovely week. Look after yourselves, and uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Of course, you lot out there as well listening. Make sure you check out theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod for a, a ninety day free trial, which is running out this week, as far as I'm aware. Uh, it's going to finish on Thursday, the twenty eighth of May. Uh, so make sure you get in on that deal if you still want to take advantage of that 90 day free trial and get on theathletic.com for lots more uh, fantastic Newcastle content and the cat is back for the last five minutes bless him, thanks a lot for listening, look after yourselves, take care of each other and we'll see you in the, see you in the future (coughs) 